Hello, welcome. My name is Gary. And my name is Simon. And this is episode 21 of EV Musings, a podcast about electric vehicles and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On our podcast today, we'll be talking about the elephant in the room, the company whose presence lurks over any discussion of electric vehicles. That's it. Not a specific vehicle or a specific aspect of that vehicle, just the elephant. And I'm talking, of course, about Tesla. Before we get started, I want to welcome you all to Season 2 of EV Musings. If you're new here, welcome. If you're back for more after last season, we have plenty in store for you over the coming weeks. In this season, we'll be finishing our series on EVs you can buy at the moment. We'll be covering the Kona, the e-Niro, the Tesla Range, the e-Tron, and we'll also be looking at the upcoming vehicles due to be released over the next year or so. That will be the Honda e, the ID3, the new Mini, and the MG. Of course, we'll be talking about the state of charge providers in the country who are providing rapid chargers and where they're putting them. We'll be following up on news about the new GridServe hub locations as they get announced. And we'll hopefully have one or two surprises as we go along. We'll also be looking at battery technology and how that's changing, as well as discussing electricity providers and who has geared their service towards EV owners and who hasn't. Yes, and um, I suppose just from from me and Gary, thank you if you are a uh, existing subscriber and you've come back for more torture in our uh, weekly podcast shenanigans. <laughs> uh, but um, we we hope to bring you more stuff around the world of EV. We're um, looking at a road trip shortly as well, so there'll be some more details around that coming up. But hopefully, we can um, we can do some more stuff around the podcast, things like. Fastnet and um, general range, and probably in the in the best time of year for an EV, which is around winter season. So um, more of that to come on the upcoming season. We're certainly not going to make it easy for ourselves, are we? Oh God, no. <laughs> so let's talk about charging for a moment. Anything interesting to happen with you recently, Gary? Well, actually, yes. I was at the new BP Ultra Charger Mini Hub in Hammersmith last week. I arrived at five o'clock Friday, uh, slap bang in the middle of the rush hour, and all five stores were <laughs> occupied. Three had black cabs, one had a 30 kilowatt hour Leaf, and one had a Zoe. There was also another black cab waiting to charge. Now, I waited about 12 minutes for a place to come available, and then I pulled into the one of the high-powered chargers. A minute or two later, another black cab pulled into the 50 kilowatt charger that had come free next to me. And I watched him for a minute, expecting him to get out and plug in. Instead, he climbed into the back of the cab, faced east and started doing his prayers. Basically, he was occupying a working stall at one of the busiest hubs in the UK at one of the busiest times of the day on the busiest day of the week. And he wasn't charging. And this was a, a big BP garage, which has numerous additional parking spaces for cars whose drivers wish to go in and use the facilities. And it was just a little bit a little bit selfish, but mainly unbelievable that he chose to do that. Yes, agreed. It's not good. And unfortunately, where it is at the moment, we'll uh, bring black cabs until such time they start um, charging, really. However, one cabbie, uh, when both uh, you and I were down there recently, said to me that it's still cheaper than petrol, so he'll use it. So um, time will tell, I suppose. And as I say, at the end of the day, it was 12 minutes wait for me. So I wasn't that annoyed personally. It's just the guys uh, yeah. sat there blocking the charger park. <laughs> there we go. Our featured topic today is Tesla. And the subtitle of today's episode is The Elephant in the Room. 
Over our first season, we've done 20 episodes, and we've managed to do so without having a single episode that was devoted entirely to Tesla as a company. I mean, yeah, we've talked about them in passing. We've even had a little geek out episode where Simon and I talked about the first Model 3 we ever sat in, in Brent Cross. But we've never devoted a single episode to the company and its products. And given that they are the elephant in the room when it comes to electric cars, and they are by far the most advanced EV on the road, this is something of an oversight. So today we're going to be spending some time in the metaphorical presence of greatness, Elon Musk, and his electric vehicle company. A couple of years back, Elon Musk said, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, there isn't an EV on the market today that can match the specs of a Tesla from five years ago. And he's absolutely right. While manufacturers such as Renault and Nissan have focused on relatively low-cost vehicles with limited range and smaller batteries, Tesla went for the big time when they launched the Model S. It was a combination of good design, well-thought-out specs, and an unwillingness to compromise that produced what was not only the best EV on the market at the time, but arguably one of the best vehicles on the road full stop. Ridiculous performance, a range well beyond anything you would feasibly want to do in a single journey, and a network of free charges around the world what else was there on the market that could do that? Nothing. And what is there now that can do that? Well, nothing, really. I mean, sure, there are cars with longer ranges, but not much. And sure, there are cars with a nicer design and a fancier, i.e. more expensive interior. But how many manufacturers produce cars that you can actually upgrade, either free or with a small, a small payment, without needing to visit the dealer? From our previous episode, The Round Table, we had David Hastings, who is a Tesla owner. He originally purchased a Model S with a 60 kilowatt hour battery, and after having the car for a short while, he called up Tesla, gave them his credit card number, and they instantly upgraded his vehicle to 75 kilowatt hour over the air. Many owners have cars that are several years old, but they've still been upgraded with much newer software. Autopilot, for example, which improves with each iteration, and this simply doesn't happen on other vehicles. Currently, the model range for Tesla has three cars, the Model S, its bigger cousin, the Model X, and the quote-unquote budget Model 3. Uh, next year, the Model 3's bigger cousin, the Model Y, will be released, and it will be to the Model 3 what the Model X was to the Model S, if that makes sense. Porsche's CEO recently gave credit to Elon Musk for his work in the EV space, and he said he believes there will be a 1,000km range electric car in 10 years. Well, I've got news for you, Mr. Porsche CEO. The <laughs> Tesla Roadster will have a range of a 1,000 kilometres, and it's scheduled for release in 2021. If you want some idea of the impact Tesla has had on the motor manufacturing landscape, in Norway, Tesla now sells more EVs than all other motor manufacturers combined. The Model 3 came from nowhere about two years ago and is now the largest selling electric vehicle in the world. Nissan have sold 100,000 Leafs over the lifetime. Tesla sell that many Model 3s in a few months. It is difficult to overstate the importance of Tesla to the EV world. So let's take a look at some particular aspects of the mark and ask a few pertinent questions about them. So the first question, are Teslas worth the money? When you look at the fact that the Model X can cost upwards of £120,000, and this is way more than a similar segmented SUV ICE car. Is it worth paying that much for the car itself? No, Model Xs are overpriced. In terms of what you get, a well-designed but reasonably mid-level vehicle, it's very expensive. 
these are not luxury vehicles in the vein of Mercedes or say high-end BMWs. But if you look at it from a point of view of a car that has free power for life in many cases, excluding the Model 3, tech which is far and away more advanced than anything else on the road at the moment, and the ability to update and improve your car remotely and in the background, this is definitely a vehicle that should be considered from the whole of life cost rather than the purchase cost. If we narrow it down to the Model 3, the maths become even easier. A basic Model 3 costs around £39,999. That puts it in the same market segment as cars such as a 5 Series BMW and certain Audis. But what you get for your money is far superior with the Tesla. In fact, it's arguably one of the most important vehicles ever released. The fact that Tesla are selling as many of these as they can make, and they're making thousands per week, is some indication that they're on to a good thing. And to clarify, we are not saying other car companies are doing the same in terms of high-priced electric cars. They are. In fact, if you look at Audi, their base model e-tron is upwards of £70,000 for the base model and less efficient and thought out. More of that on a later episode. So let's look at the purchasing experience. How many other cars can you buy brand new directly from the manufacturers simply by filling in a form on the internet and putting down a credit card deposit? Not many, I suspect. Uh, Polestar, I think, appears to be one of the others that can, mm. you can do that with. Alongside redefining what a car should be, Tesla have also redefined the purchasing experience. Up until quite recently, they had showrooms dotted around the place where you could go for a test drive, but they didn't have any salesmen, at least not in the UK. All they had were knowledgeable people who could answer questions and take you out in the cars. If you wanted to buy the car, even if you wanted to buy it there and then in the showroom, you were pointed to a nice iMac where you filled in your form and gave them your credit card details. No haggling, no threatening to walk out if the salesman didn't meet your needs, <laughs> no wondering whether the salesman got a cut of your financing. Just fill in the form and go. It was seamless, painless and quick. From placing the order to receiving the car was usually a matter of weeks, once the cars were in production. Gary Wales, friend of the podcast, came with me in late September to the Oxford EV meet, drove in a Model 3 for the first time, and within a week or so of doing that, had logged onto the Tesla website one evening and literally purchased the car there and then. Delivery is due this month, and we'll be speaking with Gary about his Tesla experience in an upcoming episode. Compare that with wanting to buy, say, a nice Audi. You've got to head to the showroom, speak to a salesman, organise a test drive, decide on your part exchange purchase price, extras, work out the financing, place the order, fill in, shed loads of paperwork, and then wait for the car to arrive, unless you're picking one straight out of stock. Even leasing my soul from... That sounds interesting, actually, leasing my soul. <laughs> even, <laughs> even leasing my car from Drive Electric involved a week or so of negotiating with them regarding lease details, annual mileage, monthly repayments, deposits, service plans, etc., getting the appropriate leasing documentation and financing signed, and waiting six weeks for the car to appear in my drive on the back of a flatbed truck. Tesla experience is far slicker, far easier, and far less stress than with other manufacturers or mainstream dealers. So what do you get with a Tesla in terms of infrastructure support to make the owning experience superior to other vehicles? Well, first off, you get the app. When you get your Tesla, you download the app. This is a fully functional app which speaks directly with your car. It allows you to check out the state of charge, preconditions, summon the car and a myriad of other functions. The Model 3 version also can be used as a key to allow you to get into the vehicle. 
Sure, there are other brands that have apps, BMW for instance, but none of them have the speed, reliability and functionality of the Tesla app. Want to cool your car down while still in the office? Set the temperature remotely and leave it to work. Flash the lights, honk the horn, pop the front or rear trunk, even start the car remotely can all be done via the app. How about valet mode? Let someone drive your car but at a limited speed and stop them opening and closing the glove box and the trunks. This can be set within the app. It also notifies you when someone charges your car or when charging is interrupted, alongside things such as initiating and controlling smart summon. It really is a fantastic app and we'll link to a couple of smart summon videos which show the functionality of being able to get your car to drive to you from anywhere just pressing a button on the app. Now to my mind the supercharger network is what marketers call the USP of Tesla, the unique selling point. Realising that their vehicles were going to be expensive, and a Model X can easily reach £120,000, they wanted to make sure owners received good value for their money. So Tesla created the supercharger network and this is a system of EV chargers located across the world where Tesla owners can recharge their cars. The supercharging network has been designed and implemented in a way which still has not been matched by any other charge provider across the world. And this is due to three factors. First of all, each supercharger is usually one of at least four on site. There are a number of places, particularly around London, that just have two superchargers due to space restrictions. But the standard is for four or more. Six to eight superchargers is considered normal and 12, 16, 24 or 32 supercharger sites are regularly encountered. The largest supercharger site in the world, in Nebenes, Norway, has 44 superchargers in one location. And the chances of having to wait for one? Low. Although, given the number of Teslas there are in Norway, it can get quite busy on the Nebenes supercharger. Number two, the superchargers, they're all very high powered. Even the earliest versions of the superchargers could recharge a Tesla faster than the majority of any other network's chargers can charge a car currently today. And since then, the charge power has been updated regularly to allow even faster charging. 120 kilowatt charge speeds look to be standard now with 200 kilowatt implemented in many places. Well, it's actually about 190. Thirdly, they allow simple plug and charge functionality. There's no need to swipe a card or a fob or an app or anything. You just plug the charger into the car. The system recognizes the vehicle, performs a handshake. If you have free supercharging, everything is seamless. And if you have a Tesla without the free supercharging, your Tesla account is billed automatically. And taken together, what this means is that with a Tesla, you can pull up to a charger. You're almost always guaranteed to space. You can be plugged in and charging within seconds of stopping the vehicle. And you won't be spending hours there waiting for your battery to fill. The latest Model 3 performance options can suck up 200 kilometers of range in seven minutes. <laughs> or to put it another way, that's enough to drive from London to Bristol in the time it takes you to grab a coffee and have a pee. Payment is automatic if not free, and with the app, you can manage the charging better than most other cars on the market. Almost without exception when talking to Tesla owners, the supercharging network is mentioned as the main thing that sets, him, sets it apart from other brands. The other thing is performance. Teslas are renowned for their performance. I'm putting a link in the notes to some Tesla reaction videos, and these are videos taken of people sitting in a Tesla as a driver performs a launch. 
Uh, there's a reason Elon, owner of SpaceX, calls these a launch. Ludicrous mode can move a two-ton, four-seat passenger vehicle from 0 to 60 miles per hour in 2.4 seconds. That's approaching the acceleration of a motorcycle and up there with the performance of a Formula One car. Unless you've experienced it, you can never appreciate just how powerful that is. I've been in, num in a number of these, and let me tell you, the G-force can start to cause your vision to blur as the blood struggles to make its way to your eyeballs. As a man who drove Porsche 911s for many years, I can tell you that those were exceptionally fast, but they're nothing compared with a Tesla in launch mode. Porsche recently came out with their Taycan, which has a performance that matches or betters a ludicrous mode Tesla. So Elon bought out Plaid mode. You have to be a fan of Spaceballs to appreciate the naming convention, which now makes the Taycan look positively pedestrian and is all set to take back the Nürburgring lap record from Taken. As battery technology improves, speeds will continue to increase and new performance mapping algorithms can be sent to the car over the air to allow older cars to benefit from the newer updates. This rarely happens with other cars on the road at the moment and never happens with ICE cars. So let's have a look at some of the unique features of Tesla. We've put together a, a, a list of a few things that um, have, have come, we've come across, we've spoken to people about so there's a there's a couple of things we'll we'll go through. The first one is sentry mode. If you if you search for sentry mode on YouTube, basically the the main uh, object of this seems to be certainly on YouTube is it catches numerous examples of people attacking cars, specifically Teslas. And it seems to be this age-old thing is if you've ever had a nice car and somebody keys the side of your car, normally you wouldn't know who done it. Now with sentry mode, you can not only know who done it, record it, and send it to the police. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's a quite a good security feature. Then we have permanent dash cam, ideal for helping with insurance and road rage claims. Again, there's plenty of these on YouTube, but the amount of times where uh, we've seen uh, plenty of things that uh, the permanent dash cam of a Tesla has picked up. Most of the time, obviously, you have to uh, pay for those additional extras, but not so with a Tesla. Full autopilot, use the navigation and a few small touches on the steering wheel to effectively let the car drive to where you want to go. And again, autopilot is great now, but imagine this in five, ten years time and they are always improving it on a monthly basis. Um, it's getting better and better. It's not ideal and it won't be for some time, but it, the fact that it's there and it's a feature that you can have on your car, especially even older cars, is is great. Self-driving, now this is optional, it's a paid extra, it's not 100% perfect, but it's probably better now than 99% of human drivers. Um, and I don't know about you, Gary, but if you've seen some of the YouTube videos where Tesla specifically has avoided fatal crashes, and it's taken the decision out of human hands and basically avoided quite a number of fatalities. Well, yes, and you're always going to have that moral dilemma of if it's a case of running over one person or crashing and killing yourself what are you going to do when they, they're going to have to devolve that down to the full self-driving? But as we've already said, regardless of which decision it makes, as a whole, the car is going to be safer than 99% of the people who would be driving it if the car wasn't doing the full self-driving itself. And then you have smart summer mode. And this has already already been discussed earlier. And there's, uh, if you want some comical videos, again, go on YouTube because there are some... Um, quite hilarious ones of people using this recently <laughs> and then there's the referral program so free supercharging for referral and referee and promotions to earn new cars tesla bjorn has earned four teslas 
Optimus Prime, Millennium Falcon 2 and two Roadsters through this promotion. Not bad, really. I find that just absolutely unbelievable. And on top of that, he's gone and bought his own Tesla. It's insane, isn't it? When you you read that back, four Teslas just through the referral program. That's insane. It's insane. So we've talked about the good. Uh, Let's talk about the bad and the ugly. All is not perfect in Tesla land. There are a few clouds inside the silver lining. Uh, With the ramp up of production for the Model 3, the quality controls seem to have glitches in it, which resulted in the infamous panel gaps appearing. This is where the finish was not completely quality checked, leaving certain cars with uneven gaps between adjacent panels. Did Did it affect the performance? No, not really. Was it annoying to spend that much money and have errors like that? Yeah, I would imagine so. The next thing is servicing. With the vast ramp up of cars afforded by the release and production of the Model 3, the number of cars in circulation has increased at almost an exponential rate. Tesla, for example, as we've already said, sold more cars in Norway recently than all of the manufacturers combined. So the problem then is that the underlying infrastructure to manage the servicing of this has not always been in place. And there are reports from owners of long waits for servicing and repairs. In fact, Beyond Nyland, Tesla Beyond, has examples of his Model X Optimus Prime being off the road for several months as he waited for fixes to problems he has... I say problems he's found. Some of them were problems he created himself, but still, (laughs) they were off the road for several months. With Smart Summon, there have been examples of glitches that have occurred with the uh, Smart Summon mode, where the... This being, obviously, where the owner can call the car to him from somewhere a a short distance away. Um, Again, this is an early phase thing. It's learning all the time. And uh, for that reason, this functionality has not yet been enabled for cars outside the US because the AI controlling it is not perfect with US driving and road layout. So let alone, you know, any issues that it's going to encounter with uh, UK roads and layouts. Roundabout. (laughs) roundabouts can you imagine and then you get to europe where the roundabouts specifically in places like france where they cede access or priority to the other side so priority from the right rather than the left or vice versa it's just ridiculous so the perfection or improvement on smart summon will come it's just not there yet battery fires yes there have been battery fires with teslas just as there have been battery fires with other cars and petrol fires with uh, internal combustion engine cars. However, the battery fires that occur with Teslas tend to be more high profile purely because of the nature of the vehicles themselves. There's a tendency to look at a Tesla battery fire and say, Teslas are dangerous, they burst into flames, as though 600 ice fires a day in the US alone isn't enough to say the same thing. It's all perception. But with Tesla, there's always the thought that maybe the fast charging at such high speeds is causing issues with the batteries. We found out recently, again, from Bjorn Island, that during fast charging, the Model 3 battery heats up to over 50 degrees Celsius. That's got to have an impact on the battery at some point. I mean, there are physical limits to how fast batteries can charge without damaging them, and the ridiculously high recharging speeds these batteries reach must be quite close to that limit. Hmm. The other cloud on this silver lining is the fanboyism. Now, one of the less attractive features of Tesla ownership experience is the fanboy mentality of a number of Tesla owners. I mean, I'm all for having favourite cars and being supportive of EVs and a brand you like. But there is a subset of Tesla owners who are completely fanatical about the mark and refuse to hear any criticism about them. 
In fact, the mere fact that we have a segment entitled The Bad and the Ugly with regard to Tesla will be enough to raise the ire and hatred of these fanboys. It's fine to support something, especially if it's as good as this is. Don't go over the top. Nobody's casting aspersions regarding your parentage or the sex life of your mother if they <laughs> criticise Tesla. So don't act like they are. Indeed, there's a big Tesla community and all of the above have come from that community. So these are common known facts. However, the bad ugly seems to be outweighed by the good. And these things just keep selling. They certainly do keep selling, don't they? Mm. So in summary, overall, it's almost inarguable that Tesla is the quote unquote best overall electric car on the market at the moment. The design, the functionality, the range, the battery tech... There's nothing really to match it across all those areas. While other manufacturers are better than Tesla in certain aspects, if you want a luxury EV, the Mercedes EQC is the one to go to, for example, nothing can match the Tesla range across all the aspects. There's a reason any new EV innovation is touted as being a Tesla killer. However, none of them have been. And none of them really should be. This should all be about being ICE killers, not Tesla killers. Indeed. Elon's comment about Tesla's being five years ahead of any other EV on the road is probably less applicable now than when he first made that comment, but it's not far off. We'll be looking at individual Tesla models in the coming weeks as we focus on our series of cars available to buy today. But for now, we'll draw a line under this topic and move on. Indeed. So let's wrap up by seeing if there's some cool EV or renewable thing you've come across that we can share with our listeners. So yeah, here's mine. Um, and for once, um, I'm just going to say this. Watch the link listed below. And uh, basically, it's a mum that makes her son a frame um, so he can enjoy skateboarding who has cerebral palsy. It's not EV related, I know, but it's really damn cool. Um, it is. It's a really nice video to watch. Yeah, it, it just caught, caught my Obviously, people that know me know that I do electric skateboarding and things like that i came across this and just thought this kid that's you know clearly has a hard enough life as it is and his his mum has fought to make this this frame around him to allow him to go up and down these skateboarding slopes and stuff like that it's yeah it, it's just really amazing thing so i'm gonna leave it there watch the link share it with everyone because it's amazing Michael Thing is a graphic showing the sales of EVs along a timeline. It has each manufacturer and the graphic updates every month with the highest selling cars on top. For It's a two minute video and for the first one minute 50 seconds it poodles along nicely with Nissan and Chevrolet battling for, for the lead. Then as the Model 3 gets launched it barrels up the listings from nowhere to take a massive lead in the last 10 seconds. If you really want to see the Tesla effect, watch it. The links are in the notes. It's, yeah, it's, it's a bit mad. You can obviously tell when the Model 3 came out and it's like, right, oh, everyone's bought a Model 3. Right, okay. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, you know, you can see other models coming up and taking over and things like that. But, you know, it takes them a couple of years to start to reach prominence. This one yeah. literally comes from nowhere to take a lead. And not just a lead, a very impressive lead in no time. It's phenomenal. It, it's pretty much like when we were saying, um, it's like, oh, uh, we don't see any Model 3s on, on the UK roads. Then they're, they're not they're going to be here for ages. And then all of a sudden, they're flipping everywhere. <laughs> Cockroaches, as my mate calls yeah, them. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. 
And that's our show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to contact us, Simon is at the EV side on Twitter and YouTube. And I'm the real Gary C on Twitter. If you want to contact us on Twitter, use either of those or our own EV Musings Twitter account, which is Musings EV. There's a reason why it's like that. I might explain it one day. <laughs> if you wanted a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So You've Gone Electric. It's available on Amazon Worldwide for the measly sum of 99 pence or equivalent, and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the notes and the description. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe. If you really enjoyed it, subscribe to somebody else. Grab their phone. Sign them up for the uh, for the podcast. It all helps. Uh, please leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and um, it helps us gain visibility and uh, broadens the audience so that other people can notice. Uh, retweet us on Twitter. Do anything that you can just to help us get out this. And if anybody knows Man Made Moon and can personally get him to come and answer my notes because I'm trying to get in touch with him on Twitter and I'm not having any luck, but I'd really love to interview him for the podcast. Anyway, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. Bye.